Coming up today on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, Trent, alongside Biz, first time in a month we've got together talking a little Hawkeye football and basketball. Some news on the basketball front, Patrick McCaffrey stepping away for, from the game for a while with anxiety issues. We'll get into that. Wrap up the football season and Iowa basketball right the ship. All coming up today on Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. That's my buddy Biz as we talk the world of Hawkeyes with you. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and see Biz waving to the camera over there. And uh, while you're there, hit the subscribe button and help us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. As we sit here early January, Biz, good to talk again. How was holidays? It was good. Yeah, it's been a while, Trent. I was beginning to worry you, you'd forgot about me, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still alive and kicking. So, no, holidays were good. And, uh, you know, when we don't talk for a while, you realize the... Uh, just how crazy the, the roller coaster that is Iowa athletics is, you know, there's a lot that goes on when you, when you, when you skip a month, there's, you know, basketball craziness or football craziness, there's NIL issues, there's recruiting issues. Uh, you know, you got to give it to Iowa athletics. It's, it's never boring. So. <laughs> that is very true. And obviously here in Des Moines, I cover both Iowa and Iowa state and it's, it's crazy. Yes. I'm a Hawkeye fan and I like to talk Hawkeyes a lot more, but just the amount of information, the amount of stories that come on the Iowa side in comparison to Iowa State, it's, it's it feels like it's five ten to one at times. Just the amount of information that we get, and many of it negatives, but that's what we have here. You mentioned Gary Barta. Uh, for people that followed us on our old podcast, the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast, you've certainly said your piece about the Iowa Director of Athletics for our new listeners out there and people viewing us on YouTube. An overview of that one and. It feels, and, and what I've said here on the podcast, just kind of stuck in the old ways, right? And not willing to adapt and change. And the litigation that has gone against him certainly has got to be a big factor in that. So it's funny, Trent. Uh, yeah, I, I won't. Uh, I won't waste our viewers' time with another anger rant on Gary Barta, but uh, it'll come at, at some point. At, at this point, it's just kind of uh, like beating your head against the wall. But uh, you know, our, our good friend Beef had, had a. Uh, a theory that, that may, maybe Bart is crazy like a fox. And maybe, maybe this whole thing with NIL was uh, manufactured to, to get people to, uh, to get, to get more involved with it. Maybe he knows what he's going all along because, you know, as you saw, you know, they, within 24 hours, all of a sudden, magically, I got, I got an email as a ticket holder saying, no, oh, by the way, you should uh, donate. So maybe it was, you know, maybe he's just under the philosophy of uh, there's no such, you know, you know, there's no other thing as bad news. You know, it, it, all, all news is good news, Trent, any good publicity. So uh, I, I don't think that's what happened, but that, that that's our friend B's philosophy, at least, that he, he uh, he's crazy like a fox. So. Well, you and uh, Beef made your way over to Lincoln for the Iowa-Nebraska game, and uh, we're going to talk plenty of Iowa basketball here, but certainly the biggest story of the last 24 hours is Patrick McCaffrey stepping away from the game, citing anxiety issues and something that, you know, it is a difficult conversation. I'll be completely honest. It's something that I'm not always comfortable talking about. And it's because, frankly, I, I've never dealt with anything like that. I, I 
had a pretty good life and I haven't had anything that is kind of brought up anxiety. It's something that I haven't dealt with, but I know plenty of people that have. And it's something where, from my perspective, I just don't feel real comfortable talking about things like that because I've never dealt with it. I don't know what it's like, but hearing and listening and talking to people that have dealt with this, this is a serious issue. And I know there's a lot of old school thinking out there. Well, tough it out, right? What, what, what's the big deal? It is a big deal. And it's something that becomes more and more prevalent. That is a good thing societally to have that conversation be something that's a lot easier to talk about. Or when these things come up, we don't hear it. I was shocked because I went on line yesterday, saw the tweet that was sent out by the athletic department, the basketball team, saw a lot of the stories that were on Facebook and, you know, the cesspool that can be Facebook and, and Twitter and social media in general. I was shocked the amount of outpouring of positive vibes and positive things that came out. I mean, it was, it was a hundred to one for any negative comment that you see. It was absolutely shocking in today's environment, but again, kind of leading to that, what I said earlier, it's good that this is out here and there's not the same stigma that there was in the past. Yeah. I think that's, you know, if there's a silver lining to all this Trent, I mean, I think that's the thing is that the stigma towards mental health issues has really changed recently. And and I'm, I just, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm fortunate enough that I've never really had significant mental health issues. I mean, I have anxiety. I have things like that, but you know, I, you know, I've never had to be medicated for things like that. And I just think it's, it's, you know, it's a really brave and courageous decision of Patrick McCaffrey to do this. I mean, it's just, I know the outpouring of support is, has been really great, but it's still got to be incredibly hard for him to make this decision. And I'm sure it was a decision that's been weighing on him for a long time. Um, you know, you know, Trent, I've always had a soft spot for, for Patrick. I've always seen him as somebody that I, I thought he was really going to make a, a turn and be a, a, you know, a potential all big 10 player this year. And, and it hasn't happened. And I think this probably shows part of the reason why it hasn't happened is he's just not loving the game of basketball right now. And, and he's not, you know, he's not able to put all of his focus and energy on the game of basketball. And, you know, I, I just thought his statement you know, some of those statements, you see them, they're just canned statements. This one was just from the heart. I just the way he said it, you could tell he took maybe two games, maybe four games, maybe, maybe never come back. And, you know, those are things, you know, I just I was really impressed with not only his willingness to come out and say something, but but the way he said it also. I just think, you know, I think that speaks to he's going to help people with by doing this. And, you know, today's a unique day for me, Trent. I mean, this, the whole thing with Patrick kind of hit me because today's a unique day. My, my oldest son turns 18 today. You, you've known Bodie since he was, was born. And yeah. He's 18 years old today. So he was supposed uh, to be named Adolphus, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I, I promised <laughs> I was going to name my, my son Adolphus Shelton after the, uh, the 2002 <laughs> pick, but I, I, I backtracked on that. So, but you know, it, it's his 18th birthday and my wife and I talk all the time because we have, him and then we have a teenager as well. Just how insanely hard it has to be to be a teenager, or a young adult right now. Um, you know, the, the, what they have to go through compared to what we did. I mean, the whole social media aspect and, and the cesspool that is social media, it, it just makes it so much more difficult. And then on top of that, when you're talking about someone like Patrick McCaffrey, you've got the, the, those challenges. Plus you add in the pressure of, of being a major college athlete and the amount of people that I'm sure are criticizing you and, and saying just terrible things about the fact that you're struggling right now with, on the court. And then you also add in the pressure of being the coach's kid as well and having to deal with everything that, that comes on your dad, because there are plenty of critics of Fran and plenty of vocal 
critics of, critics of Fran. And, and, you know, anybody that, that pays attention to Iowa basketball knows the McCaffrey family are good people. I mean, Fran has a great heart and Patrick has a great heart and Connor does and, and all of them do. They're, they're just, their heart's in the right place. And to me, that's, you know, again, just going back to, I mean, it's just, it's a brave of him to do this. And, and I, I hope, I hope he takes whatever time it needs. I hope he comes back ready to play basketball at some point, but if he never does, you know, so be it. His, his mental health is way more important than uh, whether we, we win a few more basketball games this year. You uh, mentioned, you know, all the pulls that just young people in general are, are dealing with at this point in time. And then on top of it, I, I, one thing that struck me last night when I was thinking a little bit more about this is obviously, and he said in a statement, it has nothing to do with this former cancer, but just think of living that life. I mean, since you were, what, 15 years old, anytime you feel a little bit off, anytime you feel a little bit sluggish, I mean, where, where your mind very well could go is it back, you know, th- those kind of things and how that has to weigh on you. And just another component that I'm sure is something that he has to deal with on a daily basis. I mean, it, you get a stomach ache or you just feel off and, you know, you pop a Tylenol and you, you go on, but for him, that's something that I'm sure lingers with him on top of all the other things that he is dealing with, just an incredibly difficult time. Uh, and, and like you said, very brave of him to come out in this way and say those kind of things. It was a huge surprise to see this happen. But as you said, it doesn't matter about winning basketball games right now. It's about getting him in the right frame of mind. And if it's him returning to the hardwood, so be it. And if not, you know, he's going to have a great life in front of him. You hope and he gets everything figured out and, and put in a way that he is able to be happy and, and do the things that he absolutely wants to do. Well, and for those, I mean, I'm assuming most of our listeners know, but for people that don't know the whole Patrick McCaffrey cancer story, uh, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer almost the exact same time as one of his very best friends. And they both live in the same town that I do. And, and I, and, uh, you know, Patrick, obviously his cancer is, is gone or in remission and, and he's doing much better, but his best friend passed away. And it was, I mean, it's, it's well known in, in Northrop Dallas community. I mean, his parents are, are unbelievable people and what they've done for, for youth cancer. But, you know, I'm sure that's something that weighs on Patrick as well as, you know, just, you know, why me? I mean, why, why, why did this happen? You know, and, and that's the reason he wears number 22 is because of a fight with flash his, his friend and, the, and best one of his good friends that passed away. And, you know, you know, the, all those things you add them up. I mean, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm sure this weighed on, and there's a lot of things weighing on Patrick McCaffrey and for him to have the courage and the willingness to come forward and say, Hey, I need to take a step back. I need to focus on my mental health is, you know, good for him and I'm proud of him for doing it. Absolutely. Needed to be said, and I'm glad we had the forum here to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to take a quick time out, come back on the other side, get into the football team, a bull win against Kentucky 21, nothing. We'll wrap up bas- uh, football season and take a look forward to what should be an interesting offseason. That's all as we continue here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football, college bowl season coming to a close with the national championship game, basketball. They got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those also. At Bet Online. Always the fastest and easiest way for your sports betting information. Head to the website today or hop on your phone to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
Trent Condon, Jace Bisgard, back with you here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Football, we got a bull win. 21 nothing offense. Did just enough. The season concludes at 8-5. and five. Overall, obviously a disappointment. Opportunities at the end of the season to get to the Big Ten championship game again. But, uh, you know, the defense was elite, and that's how this team will be remembered. An elite defense and an offense that finished – 130th in the country as we put a cap on things biz yeah you know it, it's it's amazing what a bowl win does for kind of your perspective on the season i mean it, you really go to go out on a high note i mean i think like you said it still is a disappointing season yes but i think one of the things i'll remember about this season is the incredible leadership that this team had i mean this this season could have spiraled out of control and then just an absolute train wreck um, and probably should have been in some ways. I mean, the, the amount of negative negativity swirling around this program midseason and really the entire season was was crazy. And, and for, you know, it's really a testament to our seniors and, and the players in general that they were able to, to maintain that focus and really end on a high note because, you know, we've seen lots of plenty of Iowa seasons. You go back to Drew Tate's senior year, you know, the 2010 year, uh, 2014 year where, where things really didn't end on a high note and we really played some bad football down the stretch and you know credit to this team for for keeping it together there was never you know all the negativity swirling around them it never seemed like there was any negativity in the program everybody said the right things everybody was you know they all stayed together i mean it would have been really easy for the defense to uh to turn on the offense at some point this year and, and start pointing fingers and they never did uh, or at least they didn't do it publicly. And that's a credit to your program in general. You, you can say what you want about the Iowa program, but they love each other. I mean, you could see there was a lot of emotion on that field at the end of that game. I mean, people like Laporta and Campbell and Moss, I mean, they love this program and it showed. So, so I'm happy for them. I mean, was it the greatest year of all time? No. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of building blocks going forward. This team can be, you know, they, they've got they've got a chance. There's no reason they can't be uh, competing for the for the very final Big Ten West title next year. Jim. Yeah, I, I think that's a realistic goal for this team. I mean, they were on the precipice, precipice this year with that bad offense, and you anticipate it's got to be better next year. It can't get worse. I guess it could get one spot worse, but it's unthinkable that it's going to be as bad. What is it? The worst power five offense since 1977, something like that. I mean, just some ridiculous numbers that have been out there with this team and what they did offensively. It'll be a huge upgrade at the quarterback position. Now, I I do warn people. I I think there's some people out there that think that Cade McNamara is going to be like CJ Stroud, you know, or somebody like that. Cade McNamara is a good, solid quarterback, but we're not talking about an elite talent that's a first round draft pick. I, I think maybe some people are misconstruing exactly what Cade McNamara is. He is, he's a good quarterback for the Iowa system. He's going to take shots down the field. He is a great leader, and that's a huge component that goes along with it. But this is not going to be a guy that's going to go out next year and throw, throw for 35 touchdowns and 3,500 yards. Well, let's be realistic. No matter who the quarterback is, it ain't going to matter if our offensive line didn't get better. I mean, that's To me, that is the end-all, be-all of, of Iowa football right now. Everybody can talk about anything they want. New quarterback, great defense, great special teams, you know, improved – you know, you know, some playmakers, those types of things. That's fine, but if our offensive line doesn't get better, we're going to be eight and four again. I mean, it's just football is pretty simple. I mean, if you can't block, you're not going to win consistently. 
you know, and, and we can't block. We haven't blocked for years. I mean, it's been, I mean, it's really miraculous how many wins we do have the last two years, considering how awful our offensive line was for two straight years. So, you know, if that doesn't get fixed, all the rest of it's kind of irrelevant. So, you know, but Trent, you're the, the elephant in the room, Trent, uh, you, you, you're, you're in the know a lot more than I do. The elephant in the room, uh, Brian Ferris going to come back. I believe so. Um, I think everybody knows. Well, let me, I, okay. When I say come back, is he going to come back as the offense coordinator? Well, here's the part that, that bothers me. I, I, I really believe if you're going to displace him as offensive coordinator, I, and I know a lot of people would like to see him around, stick around as offensive line coach, tight end coach, whatever, in some capacity. I, I think that's so difficult for whoever the offensive coordinator becomes. If you go that route, who, what's going to happen, you know, with, his hands are still going to be on there and just there's so much negativity around him at, at the Iowa football offices with the fan base. And I don't think it's an untenable situation, but I don't think it's a good situation for any offensive coordinator to walk by. If, if they go in house and if it's a guy like John Bud Meyer, if they give responsibilities to somebody else, regardless of who it is, I just don't think that it, it's a real good situation for any offensive coordinator to walk into. And if the job does open, if they say, yeah, we're demoting Brian to offensive line coach, whatever it is, and we're out there and, and making a real nationwide search, what coach or what offensive coordinator wants to walk into that situation? That, that's, that's the part that I struggle with. But ultimately, I believe that he will be back. And we've talked about the nepotism angle and that part of it. Obviously, that is a huge component because I think any other offensive coordinator would be shown the door. But, but here we are. I just don't, if they're going to do it, rip the whole Band-Aid off, right? Brian's moving away. He's looking at opportunities, whatever way you want to phrase it and word it. I think that's the best for Iowa football. Ultimately, though, I don't think that's the way it's going to play out. Yeah, I, I still think he's gone. I, I have no insider info. There's not like there's people out there whispering in my ear about it, but I think he's gone. I just, you know, maybe it's just blind hope on my on my end but i don't know i i think once the nfl season wraps up i think he will like i said all along i think he will conveniently he won't get fired but he will conveniently take an nfl position and and that'll be that so but we'll, we'll see i guess I, I just i don't know i i i my own self i hope he's gone just for like you said just i can't handle another year of just crazy negativity i, I get so tired of the, the negativity i mean it's it just consumes people <laughs> so i just i'm ready to move on from the brian ferentz era one way or the other it's just time for him to it's time for him to move on it's for the program's sake it's time for him to go find another job and i don't care who comes in it can be uh in-house out-of-house whatever it just something needs to change you know just there's a there's a black as long as he's here i think you're right even if he's an offensive line coach over there's gonna be a black cloud hanging over where people are just gonna you know, and the fact of the matter is whoever comes in, those same people will complain again, whoever it is anyway. <laughs> but uh, at least there'll be some positivity for a week or two. You know, Kay, Kay McNamara is the most loved Iowa quarterback of all time and, until 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 we go and get beat names. So, and then, uh, right. so you know, but, but, you know, I don't know. My, my, my guess, and it's just purely a guess, is he will not be, he will not be coaching at Iowa next year. Well, and, and the one that makes the most sense, Bill O'Brien, there's been a lot of, Spoke about him going back to New England and, and becoming the offensive coordinator with the Patriots. Bill O'Brien, Brian Ferentz, they're good friends. And people making that connection, Brian goes to New England again, tight ends coach, offensive line coach, whatever it is, and, and finds a spot on that offensive staff. An offensive staff that certainly needs some help over there uh, in New England. So that's the most logical destination for him if it does play out 
in that fashion. We'll take our final timeout when we come back. Iowa basketball. <coughs> and they get this thing turned around. Is there any hope? We'll talk about that as we continue here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Tret and Biz hanging out with you here today as we talk Hawkeye athletics. Iowa basketball, an 0-3 start in the Big Ten. A devastating loss to Eastern Illinois. Biz, uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, you were over in Nebraska. Got to see that train wreck over there. One of the worst offensive performances of the Fran McCaffrey era. This team's off. And though they came back against Penn State over the weekend, got back in the game, got it within two, an opportunity to tie or take the lead before the ball was tipped away. It was great. They also shot six out of seven from three in the second half. This team is not going to shoot six out of seven from three very often. It's a team that doesn't shoot it very well, but you're a more optimistic sort when it comes to Hawkeye athletics. How can this Iowa basketball team get it turned around? Play like they did the second half. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's not so much a shooting trend, it's the shots. I mean, they went back to playing inside out. I mean, clearly Fran lit people up at half because you saw the first 10 possessions in the second half. It was just put your head down and drive. I mean, Tony Perkins went back to what he does best. We played inside out. I mean, Chris Murray played way more aggressive. I mean, it, you know, we just – being there live in Nebraska, I couldn't believe how tentative we looked. We, we just looked like a team that just – had no confidence, no joy whatsoever. And that's just so weird to watch because you're so used to with Fran's teams, the offensive side of the ball is usually pretty, pretty basketball. I mean, it's just, I mean, Fran, even with bad Fran teams, we've never had problems scoring because usually they're just connected. They move the ball, they make the extra pass, they do all those things. And, you know, they just hadn't been doing that. So, I mean, that second half was a, a step in the right direction, certainly. Are they going to go six for seven? No, but can they? I mean, this team's got enough talent; they can compete with most teams in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is not exactly dynamite. I mean, you watch you watch Rutgers Purdue. I watched Rutgers Purdue two nights ago, and Purdue's the number one team in the nation, and they lose at home. I mean, neither one of those teams have an insane amount of talent. I mean, they're both really good teams, but there, there's not a single Big Ten team this year that is just going to run us off the court on talent alone. Um, and you know, do I think we can turn it around? I don't know. I mean, this team doesn't look like they like playing together very well right now. And that's the biggest problem. And that's something you can't just flip a switch and do, but, uh, there were some signs of optimism. You, you asked, is there hope? Yes, th- there's hope. That second half seemed to be the Iowa team we're used to seeing. And, you know, you get four out of five at home, you know, you, you, you win, let's say, let's say you go three and five, three, three and two in the next five. You know, all of a sudden you're you're three and five in the Big Ten, and you're at least uh, you're you got hope going forward. So, so yes, I, I think there's hope. I'm not giving up on this team yet. I, I, there's a lot of deficiencies. They're not a great team by any means, but uh, there's there's enough talent there. If they get if they get it clicking, they'll be all right. This stretch here coming up, starting tomorrow, as they take on Indiana at home. Three of the next four, and four of the next five, in fact, are at home. You have Indiana on Thursday. The road, the lone road game is Sunday at Rutgers, and then home for Michigan, Maryland, Northwestern. At the 0-3 hole, coupled with the loss to Eastern Illinois, who today ranks 345 at Ken Palm, you have to get go at minimum probably 12-8, and eight, maybe even 13-7, and seven, depending on what happens in the Big Ten tournament, to even get back on the bubble. That means here in this five-game stretch, what you got to go four and one? I, I, 
I, I think that's kind of the hole that they have dug themselves at this point in time. Four and one has to be the reality if they're going to get it done. So they're going to have to do it very quickly here. Obviously going to be playing without Patrick. That means what? Connor McCaffrey goes back to the lineup. And boy, I don't know if there's a way at this point that you can fix Peyton Sanford. I mean, you talked a little bit about what you saw from him. He is just so completely out of sorts. Has not made a field goal, not a shot in Big Ten play. 0 of 18. Is there any way that you can turn Peyton Sanford around, or are we getting closer and closer to this becoming a lost cause? Yeah, you know, I mean, the only way it turns around is Peyton Sanford's got to turn around himself. I mean, the funny thing is, I, I went to the very first game of the year with my dad, and <laughs> he hit three threes in like the first four minutes of the game. And I turned to my dad and said something about it. He, like, he may set the uh, single season record for threes this year. Yeah. Because, I mean, you watch him when he's on, he's unstoppable because he, A, he's 6'8. B, he's got such a quick release that he can get it off against against anybody. And C, he's, you know, when he's confident, I mean, he's he'll, he'll fire away. He'll shoot 10, 15 threes a game. You just don't see that right now. So I don't know. It's, Confidence is a, is a is a hard thing because when you when you lose it, you know it, how do you get it back? And so I don't know. I hope he's not a lost cause. I mean, especially with with honestly, what he needs to do is come out and just fire. I mean, he needs to take eight threes in the game. I mean, right now, as soon as he misses the first one, it's you can just tell it's over. And you know, I'd rather he go over eight, I guess, than go over one because he's he's just so gun shy right now. But I don't know. It, it, to me, this team, it's kind of what this team comes down to more than anything, Trent. The, the reason they played well that second half is Chris Murray took over. I mean, Chris Murray needs to be a superstar. He needs to be a superstar every minute of every game. Um, I love the Murray twins. They're both unbelievable basketball players and unbelievable, you know, ambassadors for, for Iowa basketball. They're great stories, but they both tend to, kind of blend in more than they should. He needs to say, you know what? I am the best player on the court every single game. I, I don't care if he goes three for 25, but shoot 25 times. He's, yeah. he, he's And you saw it in that second half. He, he was unbelievable that second half. He he changed the whole complexion of the game just by being more aggressive. He didn't, I mean, there's times he didn't test the ball for five, six minutes, and he seems fine with that. I mean, there's times he's got to go take the ball and be like, I'm going to take over. So, I mean, that's that's a simple thing. I mean, you, you can talk about Peyton Sanford all you want, but it really comes down to Chris Murray. If, if Chris Murray, Chris, if Chris Murray can put this team on their back, on his back, they've got a chance. If, if he can't, then they're in trouble. Biz, it is Iowa basketball. The women's team also took a loss over the weekend. I know you make your way over to a lot of the women's games, and just one of those, another one defensively. Big-time issues there. The second quarter was a disaster against the Illini. This women's team, Indiana's really good this year. Big Ten has got some tough teams overall. It's not like the SEC or the ACC, some of the top conferences in college basketball. But what do you think of this women's team? And regular season crown still a realistic goal, right? Yeah, I, I, I watched that game on on New Year's Day. I tip of the cap to Illinois. Illinois played great. I mean, I, I, I just thought Illinois played, you know, they, they moved the basketball. They got the shots they wanted. They're athletic. I mean, at some point, you know, I don't know. I'm not too worried about the Iowa's basketball team. They, they are what they are. Uh, they're they're going to lose a few games because they're not the greatest defensive team in the world, but uh, they also have the best player in the country and she's going to keep you in every game. So uh, are they going to win the big 10? I don't think so. Their schedule is pretty darn hard. They get in, you know, they get all the, the tough teams twice. Um, 
and they got to go on the road against all the tough teams. So, you know, but I think they can go 15 and five in the big 10 and that's going to get you, I, you know, the key to them is they got to get, stay in the top 16. You, you got to get the home games and then hopefully you get the sweet 16 and see what happens. I mean, as long as you're in the top 16 and you get two home games at Carver, they'll be all right. Good stuff. Well, biz, we will talk again soon. We'll not make it a month in between our conversations going forward. We'll, Break things down, hopefully get some positive vibes going with that basketball team, get on the right side. And, of course, there's always news, and we'll see what's percolating on the offseason of Iowa football. Good talk to you again, Biz. Before we get out there. Stat Boy and I will be two of the 7,000 people at the game tomorrow night. So we'll we'll cheer cheer loud and try to make up for the fact there will be no students and probably, you know, half-empty stadium. You uh, got a business beat for us before we get out of here. I do not, Trent. You, uh, you you popped this on at the last minute. I mean, I think business beat, the obvious one is uh, anybody and everybody that's listening, uh, pray for DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, absolutely. Talked about that a little bit with LaShawn yesterday, and obviously uh, seeing a teammate in that kind of situation, uh, he hasn't dealt with anything like that, and most players haven't dealt with anything like that. It's one thing, guy tears an ACL. One of our good buddies, you saw that happen, right, with Dal Torn tearing his ACL and seeing the, that part of it. That's an injury. This is life-threatening and uh, just the way it goes, and we continue to have the prayers. Good stuff, Biz. We'll talk again soon. All right, go Hawks.